Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink! Hey Shyla, how's it going today? I'm doing all right. It's Monday. Monday it is. Monday. Is it the Mondayest Monday ever, or is it just a Monday? It's just a Monday. I'm I'm slow starting here today because I'm on my four week, well, quote unquote off. Not really off. I'm working from home, so yeah. Yeah. So so one of your start. protocols here. Why don't you tell our clinkers a little bit about your protocol here? Yeah, so uh, we realized, well, I realized a couple of weekends ago that if one of us at the Karen Cupboard ended up with COVID, that would basically take out the entire organization Mm -hmm. uh, because all the major players were there doing the things, right? We were all all there all the time. Mm -hmm. And so all the people who know how to function in each of the areas, we were all there, um, you know, around each other. So we went into a team model that started two weeks ago. So we have three team leads who are the staff, me and Shanna and Kenzie. Mm -hmm. And we each have a team of about seven to 10 people. Some of them are there every day and some of them are there um, part of the week. Um, And so, yeah, we have uh, two... Or, I'm sorry, three teams that, that operate for two weeks. So I just came off of my two weeks, mm-hmm. which in those two weeks, a whole shit show of things happened. So I'm, <laughs> it did. I'm happy for the break. Yeah. We had a cooler breakdown, equipment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had just, yeah, we had a COVID scare. Uh, so I lost three of my, of my seven immediately on day one. Um, so it was a lot. I worked a lot of hours in two weeks. So you did. You worked a lot of hours and your mental break. capacity was tested beyond belief as well, right? It was, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. when you talk about bandwidth, I got a big plate, right? Like, I have you a big do. plate. You do. You have a big plate. And, and it was and, overflowing. And that plate was overflowing. Yeah. So I'm happy for a little bit of a, of a chill day, but... I've got still have things to do, mommy duties to take care of and other stuff. Well, and how is this going for like, how does it go for you that you have to now stay sidelined? I mean, for a little bit. I mean, I know you're in contact with everybody for the office. And is this is this Shanna or Kenzie's week? Uh, Shanna's in this week. Shanna's Um, in this week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we both, so like all of us are feeling like we want to go in and help and be helpful. Right. Um, but we know that the best thing to do right now is to be separated because we don't have the same circles, right? So, you know, the best thing we can do is to try to, to maintain our distance from each other so that if there is someone on one of these teams who ends up with COVID, then we can bring in another team so we mm-hmm. don't interrupt service. And that's really what this comes down to. It's really about the service interruption and continuity of care. So we're making sure we're staying open no matter what happens and as the case numbers keep climbing um you know it was inevitable that so somewhere along the way people are going to have contact or mm-hmm. have positive cases so we figured it was best to start to to make those plans now instead of when it, and we were being proactive instead of reactive really sure so. sure and really helping you stay focused on the mission which is to be able to help your community and clients and without that um you know you won't exist and that's not what you want you want to make sure that you're serving right. them particularly at such a challenging time as numbers go up and we've got more people home from work. We have more people right. in need of food in our community. The holidays we already know are such a challenging time. Um, so, you know, I really have to applaud you guys for being proactive in that way. It's really hard to be proactive in this environment, don't you think? <laughs> it's like, yes, it's just, I just keep telling everybody one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Doing your best. Uh, Tony Horton from P90X, Derek and I always <laughs> like to borrow one of his lines, uh, is uh, do your best and forget the rest. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, in this moment, that's sort of where we are. So, I like that. yeah, but over the weekend, you cast a show. I that is did. going to happen. I did. Speaking, I know. We're manifesting it, like speaking it into manifestation. The show will happen. 100%. You know, will happen. Our, <laughs> our dear friend Kristen Petro, who we talked to back in season one, um, you know, she is such an incredibly inspirational person, as, as people might remember. And she she really does live that in my life all the time. Like what we do here at Coffee, Beans and Booze and the people we interact with, they, they really do have those roles in the leadership of our lives. And, you know, she's been reminding me lately, Shyla, to expect great things. Like if you keep doing and you keep responsibly handling what comes next, that it's okay to expect great things. And you know what? Casting a show in the middle of all of this makes you feel that way. It makes you feel like, you know, I could have either have gone the route of like, oh, well, we're just doing this exercise and who knows what's going to happen. And, you know, and she was like, no, you're expecting great things. You're, you're handling what comes next so that when the great things come, we have them. And I was like, all right, I can get behind that too. So 
yeah. you know, so we'll do Absolutely. that. So yeah, so it went great. The kids were incredibly prepared um, and they're learning through this process. You know, digital auditioning is not going to go away. So we really took the opportunity to teach them how to do that well. Um, and so, uh, so yes, yeah, so we had a workshop on how to do that. And then we cast the show uh, based on their digital auditions and then those that we needed to see a little bit more interaction in person. And, um, but we kept everything safe and I'm excited. It's, it's going to be a great season and yeah. an incredible show and, um, and just really kind kids, which is always a delight to work with. Right. Absolute delight. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I think there's something about the opportunity to be able to do something right now in mm-hmm. this moment that will help to keep them well, we, we talk to the students. It's, it's yeah. funny you say that because we have some friends, you know, I'm, I'm direct, uh, friends with a lot of the directors in the area and some of them are holding off just a little bit to, to figure out, you know, they're like, well, we're going to hold just a little while longer and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's totally cool. Um, but we kind of knew what we were going to do and, and where we were going with things. And I talked to the students about it and they were like, even if we get shut down for a little bit, Mrs. Booker, we would rather have this to be working on and doing. We know that we can jump on and do a lot of our work online. So, you know, I said, okay, if you guys are game, we're game and we're just going to keep expecting great things. And so um, that's what we're that's what we're going to do. While I shot them all down with the most disgusting yeah. smelling hand sanitizer as they all walked into the room. It literally, I'm not going to lie to you, it smells like vodka. <laughs> I feel terribly irresponsible in any other land. I'd be like, how is this room smelling like this with these children in here? And we would be asking a lot of questions. But hand sanitizer, it's just stinky. So, <laughs> so uh, well, that's yeah. why I bought some Purell the other day. Thank so, you. Yeah. I'm going to come and grab that because I feel really guilty making the children smell like booze. I mean, it just seems well, like is, it's not. Right. I, I have found um, <laughs> I am very intolerant of those smells. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So I uh, I found uh, Hello Pello and Purell are the two that are le- that are least smelly. Look like at this. Because some of them learning. smell like greeny alcohol. I know. Yeah. So there you go. There's your tip of the day. But <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's, that's it. That's what all leadership should know that's right now. All, that's all we have. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. So this week we're talking to Kendra Elliott, uh, who is a friend of mine mm-hmm. um, and is the director, the ED over at Compere, which is a program uh, for people with mental illness um, who just need a friend. And it's a really great program. All about um, relationship building, of, right? Because we yeah. can't get through it without yeah. our friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and so um, Kendra uh, just really embodies a lot of just really great things, uh, much like uh, Kristen, actually. Mm-hmm. She's a very positive person, uh, really strives to create positive relationships with people she engages with, but also the people who are engaging in her program, uh, which is really, really cool. So uh, I found an article about Warren Buffett, which mm-hmm. I thought we, we could we could dive into here. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I thought it was really interesting. So um, someone asked Warren Buffett, when you're nearing your end of life, your only measure of success should be what? Um, And he said, uh, people you want to have, I'm sorry, people you want to have love you actually do love you Mm -hmm. is what he said. So the people who you want to have love you, you actually do they oh my word I can't speak they actually do love you yes so that intentional idea right that intentional idea of do the people that I would like to love me love me right absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. so Mm -hmm. the article goes on to talk a little bit about some of his ideas um and how you can really work on relationships and like how leaving behind a legacy is leaving behind friends and people who love you and not being lonely Mm -hmm. um which is interesting um, so the first thing is be selfless and don't expect anything in return. Mm-hmm. Ah, the good old quid pro quo. Yeah, don't Do you operate in the quid pro quo. I really truly believe that the more you put out that is good in the world, the more good that comes back to you, and that the, the second you think about it, it becomes less. Like it's some weird algebra question in my equation in my head, and so I really try really hard to just put out and not expect something back. I really do. Sometimes I get caught up, especially with the youngins, um, if they don't realize that they need what we're putting out to them. Do you know what I mean? Does that what it, like mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that to sound like in a judgy way, but sometimes I'm like, you need this love in your world. Let this love come you know kind of thing or you need this caring in your world let this caring come and I think it comes from being in a place where where you and I both know you can never receive too much love and caring from the people around you and um you know and so 
Yeah, so I really do try to not expect anything back. I can definitely tell you that the times in my life when I literally looked at my career and said, I do not care what type of recognition I get from this at all. I'm just going to do what I know is best for the community that I'm working in, um, that those are the times that I got the most recognition. I can, I can 100% tell you that. The year of 2018 was this crazy year of mine that I really very intentionally said, I'm gonna not only do as much as I can for other people, but I'm gonna do it as quietly as I can do, looking for as little recognition as possible. And I received more awards in 2018 than probably the entire of my lifetime beforehand. And that was in every aspect of my life. That was in like, yeah. you know, at LVC, I received an award that year. Um, the Tony Awards recognized me that year. And even my friends, friends, I found that the more I did in silence for people that they didn't know that I dropped off and they didn't know, they almost found it sometimes as they want to do out of their way to be extra specially sweet to me. And it was just, I think it's just that idea of not looking for that back. How about you? Are, are you all about this? I mean, I already know yeah. the answer, but but you, you tell me. Yeah, no, <laughs> share with and listeners. I operate in this. I operate in this like weird, you know, semi-Catholic guilt. Like I think this, like you know, being being raised mm-hmm. in a United Methodist. Do you think I rubbed off on you? I was going to say, did, did did my Catholicism? Well, there's that, but like it, it's just like I always have this like weird thing about like when I'm not humble, I feel like the big wheel of karma comes back mm-hmm. to like slam me down a little. Um, so I'm very aware of that. And maybe it's just my own head to like, you know, make myself stay humble and kind. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it, this is a whole thing. Um, but really like, yeah, th- that same kind of idea that like when you put out like and not have the expectation of return, mm-hmm. you're just happier, right? It's easier to be to be happier. And it comes back to those expectations, right? When we right. set expectations for ourselves mm-hmm. and other people can't meet those expectations because we haven't said this is what I need or how I need it it becomes a challenge because then you feel like well I'm not appreciated or I'm not whatever um and having the self-reliance to to know that what you're doing is good even if someone doesn't Mm -hmm. overtly say that to you and for me it kind of almost reminds me that it's like cutting the work in half like if I do the front end of it right if I do the front end the good the work the whatever it is but I'm not looking for the check-in to make sure that I got my box checked in return it's actually cutting the work in half let that part go yeah. and it it, it, it exactly. will, you know, it'll just become easier and, and more of a routine, which is what I really do want in my life, you know, yeah. And it's a good example. <laughs> yeah, there's, sure. a, there's a quote from Warren Buffett at, with this part. It says, if you get to my age in life and nobody thinks well of you, I don't care how big your bank account is, your life is a disaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so true. I remember my dad, um, my dad had been sick for a long time before he passed away. And so that leaves some time where you can be a little funny ha-ha about some things and just sort of, I don't know, it, it made it so we could have some real conversations, which for my dad and I was like really important because we were really chill with each other. Um, and I remember him saying to me, he goes, my greatest fear is that I'm going to die and no one's going to be at my funeral. And I was like, what? Like my dad had worked in business. My dad had, you know, all these things. He had done all this stuff and he grew up in this area. I was like, you think no one's going to be? And he goes, no, what if no one comes? What if they're like, oh, good, the bastard's gone, like, kind of thing. And I think it's that idea of like, you know, you don't want to die and not have anybody have cared about who the you is, not about what you donated or not about, you know, what you you did, but but of who you are. So, yeah. So yeah. I really like this number two yeah. as well. And, and we should mention this is all part of a, a CNBC article um, based on um, based on a variety of information. And, and we can link this somewhere for sure. Um, but but be empathetic, be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you feel about the be empathetic, Shyla? Um, I think it's obviously what makes our world go around, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brene Brown talks about perspective and how like that's one of the greatest gifts you can give to your children is perspective. And I think about that a lot because, you know, when we're narrow, when things are black and white, like mm-hmm. so few things, if any, I mean, arguably anything in your life is black and white. You know, there's always nebula, right, around mm-hmm. ideas or concepts or, or opinions. Um, so really thinking about how you can understand somebody, it doesn't mean you have to agree with them, right? But, right. but understanding where they're coming from, excuse mm-hmm. me, and allowing them to feel or be part of that. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Empathy. You practice that too, right? I you're, do, you're I do. I really, person. I practice it almost to a fault sometimes. Whereas, like, I really obsessively stop myself because I think we really have to do that. I think it also comes from a place where I, I've had people in my life who, due to different, um, different mental capacities, different mental things going on, really have a challenge with empathy. And so, you know, I've watched other people really struggle to not be able to put their to to think about the world from other people's lenses. I mean, this is definitely a part of our brains are wired different ways, and different people can 
can do this in different ways. Um, and I find empathy is a really hard thing to teach. And sometimes the best way to teach it is really by example. And so I try to point mm-hmm. out in my life, particularly with those that I know really struggle with this, try to point out the times that I am trying to be like, wait a minute, you know, I come from a place, you know, one of the examples I always use in my life is I, I had a child very, very young in my life and my parents were incredibly supportive. Not everybody has that exact same support. Not everybody has yeah. those same things. So the decisions I was able to make in no way do I think other people would have been able to do those same things or even have made the same choices given the same circumstance because they're different people. Right. And Mm -hmm. so just trying to remind people of that, um, is often something that I, uh, that I try to try to emulate a little bit. So, so number three is make work enjoyable and fun. Um, we, we try to do this at, at, uh, the Karen covered Kenzie and I have some running jokes and some things that we do. Um, and we really try to bring a lot of energy because it's a place where people can get really sucked into lots of drama and things and ideas and their own way of Mm -hmm. doing stuff. So (laughs) yeah, none of that's going to help anything, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it says, you know, the, the, in positive and uplifting cultures where people share the same values beliefs and norms you'll find a high performing group of people who attract folks of the same kind and it's funny because Kenzie Shanna and I are so similar in mm-hmm. so many ways mm-hmm. um so I guess that's some it's some reinforcement there yeah it is definitely yeah we have such a blast in all the things you know I I work Dave and Elisa at the college you know they are truly best of friends of mine and have been for so long um Dave who I work with and is actually my my boss now you know we have been friends for forever and working with people enjoy you know it's so fun to work with people that you enjoy and in, and we enjoy the problem solving of what we do and the same thing with a the theater program you know Cody Kevin Taylor Derek you know Greg Sean we all have such an incredible blast with everything that we do and if we didn't you couldn't put in the efforts you do right like and I think right. it's infectious to other people I mean we I know you have this happen all the time at the caring cupboard people want to help with your events they want to help with the things that you're going on because you're fun and enjoyable to be around and so um it just makes a I lot try. of sense for sure <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. Derek would Derek would uh, probably say otherwise because he he feels like he's the fall the like the hit guy for all of my events. I'll be like, go do this, go do this, and why aren't you here yet? And what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but he's so proud of what you do. You know, he's so proud of of oh. you know. It's one of the things that we both have of, of our husbands. They they will both comment on that they're proud of the things that we do for our community, and that brings joy and fun for them. And they always love the good after party because let's be honest, we do that like oh yeah, like champs good so. after party. Yeah. <laughs> Number four is interesting mm-hmm. on this list. Uh, treat others the way. They they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It is, right? Yeah. Because that's a little different than what we learned in kindergarten, right? In kindergarten, right. we learn treat others the way you want to be treated. But this really reminds people about the other the other direction of it. And just to plug on the nonprofit side, you know, this is so important to when you're talking to donors. Because um, I know in donor relations work I've done over the years, sometimes we're like, oh, we have to print their names. We have to this and we have to that. And what we've learned along the way is sometimes we needed to stop and ask them how they wanted to be treated or how they wanted to be recognized um and so it's really important to talk to people about you know do you mm-hmm. like it when I contact you at this time even with friendships you know you know Shyla, if you're down you know do do you want me to call you no I know you want me to text you because if I call you you'll think that the world is ending and what is <laughs> what's happening right? that happened Friday I picked up the phone and what did I say you said are you wrong? okay what's the matter what's wrong I know it was so funny. I was like nothing's wrong I just want to see if you can have lunch and I knew that if if you didn't if I didn't call you we wouldn't connect quickly quickly enough um but it's true right like you need to i think there's something about this about perception like being perceptive enough to really pay attention to people and i think that's really what what this article mm-hmm. is getting to is not just um treating people how they want to be treated but really tuning in and listening to them so that you know the wants and needs of your friends colleagues coworkers, organization leaders all of those different things yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the idea of exercising the love languages and like mm-hmm. how people receive that. Um, some people like quality times, some people like gifts, some people like, you know, compliments, that kind of stuff. So yeah, kind of figuring that out. Yeah. I try to, I try to pay attention to that. Um, but it's hard to like put all of that in and, and actually do something with that mm-hmm. into the brain, you know, into your brain. Um, just trying to be aware of it. And the last thing is uh, follow your passion. I think that both of us have been in a position where we've been able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know that 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 definitely we're privileged in that way Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to follow and seek out seek out our passions. But that didn't come 
easily or at no cost, right? Like we had Absolutely. to work for that and mm-hmm. fight for that and um, make and that to a figure thing, it out. So. I don't know that we always know what our passions are. You know, it's one of the things uh, we ask every one of our guests what their passion is, and it's one of those things that um, they all think they're going to struggle with, and then all of a sudden it, the answer is right there, right? You know, of what the passion is, and I think it's because we don't always live our life of saying, you know, we say to kids, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" and very few of them say, "I want to be a person who lives out my passion." Like maybe that's what we need to teach mm-hmm. the small children. And at the same time, I think we do this in a lot of different ways. Um, I can remember I always said to my kids, you know, they would say, well, I want to work in theater or I want to work in automotive design or whatever. So I say, well, somebody has to. Why can't it be you? Don't right. don't sell yourself short. You can have that passion. I think for me, it took me a little time to figure out. Um, I don't think if you asked me when I was 20 years old, I don't know that I would have said, you know, being an educator, being someone who can help share knowledge so that other people can be successful, helping other people be able to communicate what they want and need out of life. I don't think I would have been able to express that passion. I think that came over time. Um, but it it always is in awe. I'm always in awe of our guests and how incredibly wonderful they are about their passions and sending and sharing that with us. You know, how, how about yeah. for you? Was that path to finding your passion challenging or was that something that really kind of came naturally to you? I think it was, uh, well, I think being able to make it into a job was, Mm -hmm. that was, that was a challenge in some ways. Um, But I've always wanted to to be able to save the world in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I've I've always had this like sort of helping heart and I knew that and just figuring out how I can make that happen. But yeah, so our guest Kendra, Mm -hmm. um, she is someone who lives by her passion and lives by a motto, which you'll hear about, mm-hmm. um, and is someone who shares freely um, her love and gifts, which is really awesome. So truly yeah. inspiring, truly inspiring. And I'm so happy that we get to share our interview with Kendra um, this week. I think it's a great time to um, to be so thankful for people like Kendra in the world. And so it's a delight that it's uh, that it's releasing during Thanksgiving. Hey, Shyla, how's it going? I'm doing well, Jasmine. How are you today? I'm doing well. I am so excited for our guest today. Yeah. You know that I love to get to know new people, and I'm so excited to get to meet Kendra. Yeah, and this is a, she, man, a nonprofit warrior. I, it's going to be really fun talking to her. So, hi, Kendra. How are you today? Hey. I am awesome. You're always awesome. You're so positive. I, am. I love it. I, I love am. it. I love it. Yeah, it was so a good um, day. We, we start off our all of our conversations with just a little bit of uh, who are you? What are you? up to just a little you know quick what do you bio. do yeah, yeah. About what's, what's making you so awesome today yeah. I want to know mm-hmm. oh my gosh I got to do nothing today and that's why it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> great uh, so, uh, so today was a nothing day what do you, what do you usually yes. spend in your time doing um, I mean, at home, um, I'm pretty much always working still. Um, mm-hmm. We do have our own business. So technically, when I'm on the weekends, I do spend helping my husband with, with our business. So today, but today I took a break. I watched movies and I hung out in my basement. And yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. We are firm believers on coffee, beans and booze of the side hustle. We think that's how yeah, you, you know, you make it in life is a little bit mm-hmm. of side hustle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but um, you started your job at Compere, which where you're at now, um, Correct. Uh, about two years ago. But but you've had a lot of nonprofit experience, which is not where you thought you would land, right? Like you are a business, we were a business major. Right. And tell us a little bit about your that evolution path, yeah. that to a nonprofit land. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to school for all business. I have all business degrees. Um, I ha- went to Central Penn here um, in Enola. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, when I was at the school, I got heavily involved with um, giving back and getting involved with my community. Um, and in that realm of getting involved with my community, I got involved with nonprofit um, and landed the job. My actual first job was with Just for Success, which mm-hmm. is a nonprofit that's based um, was based out of Harrisburg. And it just kind of trickled after that. It was just, I fell in love with just, I've always had a passion to help people. And this was one of the things that it worked for me. Um, And and never really thought about it as a career at the Mm -hmm. time, honestly. Um, And it turned into that. And I absolutely love it. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the big misnomers about nonprofit land is, you know, I I tell people this all the time. uh, A nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that you borrow from your business experience and education to really raise up. And I see that you you were like 
you're when your board's like, are we going to raise that much money? You're like, yes, and I'm going to triple that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. She has such motivation. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, do you yeah. feel feel that you borrow from your business background in order oh, to make yeah. nonprofit I, world work? Definitely. I think that is where my strongest suit is. I do look at it. I when I look at the nonprofit, I don't look at it identify differently. You know, it's a business. We function as a business. We have goals. We have you know those great fundraisers we need to meet versus like we're not selling a product or we're not providing a service that we're selling. But I feel like if most of us look at it that way, I think that it's it's a best practice. Mm-hmm. And that is a perspective that I came in with. And, and I and it, it was beneficial because that was d- development and fundraising became my strong suit. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is so important. And there's yeah. so, absolutely there's so many misconceptions yeah. about working in nonprofit, you know, that yeah. it's supposed to be like you only do it if it can be the thing that you can sustain yourself some other way. And I'm like, no, there are real jobs, <laughs> careers here because nonprofits need it. They yeah. need the business mm-hmm. mind. They need all of that. It can't be like, I'm just going to do some good. You, you have to be able to back that up with the dollars in the sense that can make it happen. Absolutely. You know? yeah. 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 So I come here. Um, tell us a little bit about the program because I think it's a really fascinating model. It's not, you're not the only comp here that exists in Pennsylvania, right? So tell us a little right. bit about what comp here does um, and how you see your, uh, um, your impact in the Lebanon County area. Yeah. So comp here, um, so coming over to comp here was now, like you said, Shyla, about two years now, actually next month. And um, so comp here is a, um, I find, I tell my children this all the time, I said, I have the best job in the world. They say, why? I said, because I get to make friends every day. <laughs> because that's our, that is our motto. We make, we build friendships. Um, it is a support services for people who are diagnosed with some kind of mental health challenge. Um, but our job is a support side and providing that friendship side. So all our volunteers actually come in, you know, they go through a training just like any other, you know, if they volunteer somewhere else, we do provide training. But the best part about it is you're matching someone with another person, knowing that what our expectations are is to build on that friendship. Just like if you meet a stranger, you build on that friendship and, and help support that person in, in their time of need, really. Mm-hmm. And compare is a part of a we have about eight affiliates actually in Pennsylvania and we are a national agency we have offices also in Australia New York you know all over um, but for Pennsylvania we are part of eight um, but however for Lebanon we are the only 5013c independent 5013c all the other agencies are actually under umbrella organization mm-hmm. oh, so we are you know a little different yeah. and um, so we are fully responsible for everything um, in our office mm-hmm. yeah. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's that idea, Jasmine and I talk about this all the time of like, you know, how how do you have health in your in in your uh community basically mm-hmm. is by having mm-hmm. friends who are in all kinds of places in their Absolutely. life right and Absolutely. so like because how we cool can't get it? through we can't yeah. get through life we would never try to get through life without our support systems mm-hmm. and that means we can't get through mm-hmm. our mental health life we can't get through any piece of our lives without the friends who are going to help us through like yeah. you said those right. partnerships are are so needed and so important and um, I suspect that you were really good at introducing friend to friend and partner to partner I think you know you the very first words you said to us were that you were awesome today and it was infectious and I and I suspect that that's not unique to this conversation like I think your your kindness and Mm -hmm. your um and your generosity of of friendship is probably what you lead with for for sure yeah I do I I truly do I think having that positive mentality having that positive vibe like literally everyone that comes in the door it's like a it's a bright day sunshine even Mm -hmm. if it's rainy and cloudy outside you know it's just how you uplift people is the positivity that you bring you don't have you cannot expect that from people if you're not really delivering it yourself Mm -hmm. in my opinion so um you know having that um that that mindset every day and and finding something to smile about or finding something to be feel awesome Mm -hmm. um is a huge part i feel that really impacts even our in in our program and what we're offering and because we have a wide range from kids in our program Mm -hmm. to older um you know population in our program we have vets in our program we offer Mm -hmm. support groups in our program it's a wide range of people we're touching on a daily, monthly, yearly mm-hmm. basis. And to, to for being for a compere being in Lebanon for 20 years, when I came into the agency, one of my goals and Shyla, you could probably account for this was mm-hmm. how can I get compere out there? Yep. You know, how can I get compere for people to know the gold mine that's right here in the Lebanon community? Because someone if you if you yourself don't have some some 
kind of mental health challenge. And it doesn't have to be significant, but, you know, something or someone you know might have some sort mm-hmm. of challenge. Why don't people know about this agency and why don't people take advantage yeah. of this mm-hmm. amazing opportunity? Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I it, screw COVID because this is like where we're our so conversations come. We're, we're <laughs> so like, you know, you're, that part. your screw yeah. COVID was kinder than I yeah, would have yeah. said right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm so over. I mean, we would have had to beep ourselves. So I we would have had to beep ourselves. So, you know, I know. But, but, you know, I, I think it has put a microscope yeah. on, you know, I, I'm a big follower of Brene Brown. And one of the things in her mm-hmm. Dare to Lead, uh, mm-hmm. one of her last books, uh, I think it might have been her last book, she talks about loneliness. And she talks about loneliness among people who you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. to be lonely. I suspect that you find that this has put a microscope on that loneliness. Like now people are forced yes. to be by themselves. Mm-hmm. So how have you addressed that uh, with Compeer? Because I know you've done some really creative things. Um, and in some ways it's been, uh, I, I don't want to say a benefit because like I can't, I, I can't go there yet. But no, but it's pushed <laughs> right. us, it's yeah. pushed right. us in ways to do yeah. things differently, right? And, yeah. and being pushed is not always a bad thing. You know, especially when you're driven, like many of us are, we sometimes that push is still so helpful. Right. Yeah. So so how have you how have you responded to all of those covid needs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When covid hit. Yeah. Covid. (laughs) Um, I, I, I had to sit down a second and really think. Honestly, I said, whoa. They're telling, and again, going back to the first two weeks that we were prompt, mm-hmm. like we were told, like, oh, you're going to be isolated. Back when we thought it was only going to be two weeks. It was only going to be two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I was like, two weeks? That's, that's forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And coming from an agency like ours, that we, we push people to get together. We push people to get social. We push people to get out their house. We, that's the premise of our program, mm-hmm. to eliminate isolation. So what happened with, for us, Obviously, we went. In, I had to go into fix it mode. Like, how do we address this? Mm-hmm. So, with Compeer, um, you know, we were our volunteers. When we speak to them, we expect we we ask for four hours a month that they actually spend time with their friend in person, or go to the mall, go to the park, you know, go play cards, do something. Mm-hmm. So, with with COVID, we had to obviously redirect things and created more of a phone based support. Um, but what we found what if, through this nine month process is. Instead of that person seeing that individual, maybe one hour this week, two hours the following week, and maybe an hour at the end of the month or something like that, they're talking more. Mm -hmm. So they're Mm -hmm. actually spending more time on the phone, texting, talking. So instead of a conversation or seeing that having contact maybe once a week or twice a month, depending on the schedule, you're, we're seeing a huge increase in communication on a constant basis. So it's more communication that's actually happening even Mm -hmm. though they're not physically seeing someone. So that isolation factor, there's still a way, obviously, with the social distance aspect. However, that contact is still there, which we Mm -hmm. find to be the most important. So when you think about you're at home and you you don't have anyone there and your phone rings, how do you feel? You know, like, oh, someone's calling me, that they're actually more motivated and I've seen an increase in the contact, which I feel has been working. Um, Mm-hmm. For the past nine months. And also, we've also increased communication via mail. Um, you know, we went back to snail mail, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and because I get a phone call saying, I got your newsletter today. <laughs> I got your, your card today, which is such an amazing feeling because you're not just getting junk mail or bills. You're getting something happy from Compier. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's yeah. really cool. And I'm so glad to hear that, you know, at a time when people are going to need more support than ever, you know, yeah. that you found ways to do that. And, and I'm not surprised to hear that. That's really, you know, yeah. kind of it, it kind of is logical, right? You know, yeah. you said right. going to problem solving mode. That's exactly what mm-hmm. happens, right? We got to fix it. Yeah. You call it fix it mode, you know, like, into fix it mode. <laughs> <laughs> and who knew that that fix it could be there and and using the telephone and using that the way that's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, it, and uh, recently you had talked you touched on this just a little bit. Um, you have a, a veterans program, um, right. and recently you guys were honored. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, which was such a great honor. So we have a veterans program that we have vet to vet matching. Um, and over the when we Julie and I came to Compere, um, we wanted to figure out okay. What can we do for vets? Where can we meet them? What 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 is the next thing that we could offer? So one of the things we immediately launched um, soon after we started at Compere was the um, vet the breakfast for vets at Heisey's Diner in Lebanon, and it was an opportunity not to kind of to create that comfortability, create that 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 camaraderie, that conversation, that social aspect that we wanted to create, and mm-hmm. not make it um, you know medically you know driven. It was just 
come out, have breakfast, and have a conversation. And due to that um, breakfast launching and how we pivoted the program and actually quadrupled the number of of, um, individuals that we were serving in that program, we were recognized at the chamber um, from the um, one of the the Veterans um, Committee, Veterans Affairs Committee for the Beyond a Call Award, which was amazing um, that we got this past week, actually. Oh, <laughs> yay, like this good past things week. happening. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, well, yeah. Andrew, you brought um, a vet to, um, in Sertoma, I mm-hmm. had you come and speak to Sertoma, and you brought a vet who was just so passionate about it. So yeah. I can imagine that if all of the vets who who are engaging are half as, half as passionate, you are making a huge difference. I'm like sure. he was, He was so thankful for the opportunity to be able to meet yeah. other vets and to be a part of that well program. you know it's that camaraderie so cool. it's that friendship I mean yes. I don't you know we we talk about this all the time like we don't know what we would do without each other yeah. you know we just we don't know like what we would do and it's the truth like yeah. we are not meant to be solitary people and to carry yeah. the burden of life all by ourselves right we need people not only in the good times to celebrate with yeah. but in the bad times to be able to get through and even as advisors to say you know I don't know how many times I need a daily check of like is my thinking okay <laughs> you know what I mean rational people <laughs> know they're not yeah. right all the time and in the, in the yeah. veteran space it's a shared experience right, right? like right. you you can't right. You, no. you know, I, I learned this having a brother and sister both in the military. Like, I can't articulate no. what that feels like. Like, they need people right. who understand what basic training right. felt like, mm-hmm. what being a part of, you know, both of my, my siblings served in Iraq. Right. Um, my brother was recently in Kuwait. Like, you know, I, I can't, I can listen, but I can't right. offer anything more than that sometimes. And right. it's nice to have right. people who have shared experiences, which is really great. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, and I, that's why they love it. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do are you there to help facilitate any of that? Like, or are you, yeah. Is that, okay, so how how is that for you? Are you learning and like, is it interesting to you to hear the stories it, and to be a part of it? It is truly an amazing, like both actually Julie and I um, both are there um, and Julie's our program manager with mm-hmm. Compere and my my second half, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we are there and um, it's, it's truly amazing. I sit down, I have conversations, I learn so much. It is an experience in itself. I actually miss it so much since um, COVID and not having to do the breakfast the past few mm-hmm. months. Um, so it's been really disappointing and we've got, been getting a lot of calls, but it is an experience. Um, you hear the stories and there's so many mixed generations there. You have your just most recent vets. You have your um, vets that's been out of the military for years, right. you know, so it's a, a huge gap in age ranges. It's a huge gap in experiences, um, you know, and it, it just, it you get so much out of it and you have another level of appreciation just experiencing that in itself Mm -hmm, um and when we first started it started a a smaller group and by the time um covid hit um our last group was 20 almost 25 or 26 vets in that room in Heise's wow. diner and if you've been to Heise's you know yeah, that's a full I room do, I do my, my dad has been gone for oh my gosh over a decade now but my dad yeah. used to love to ride his motorcycle out to Heise's diner because it is such a quintessential like small town diner yeah. place and the people you know you walk in the door and people know each other and they're hey you know and so I can't imagine what a great atmosphere that is to have that it breakfast is. as well so yeah. and that was really smart too to, yeah. to pick a place like that that would really be, be um, calming and disarming for people that's that's really yeah. great that's yeah, really something cool. accessible. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I love it. So a couple of years ago, probably probably about two years ago now, um, Ali Parado, past guest, uh, director of SARC, and I decided to get together some women um, who are nonprofit leaders in our community. Moms, we're all moms and nonprofit mm-hmm. leaders, but um, we kind of pivoted to like a mom's walking group, which we've been sort of hit or miss, but it's been fine. But the last time we walked together, you shared that you're actually from Jamaica. Um, so, and you're most recently from New York. So you have a little bit of experience experience living in lots of places, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been quite the journey. Yes, I moved to um, from Jamaica in 2001. I've, I lived in New York for a while and um, I've lived in um, Florida and then moved back to New York and then to New Jersey. Um, in 2009 is where I made my way to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pennsylvania is an interesting one. I mean, you know, I don't know how it compares to living in Jamaica and New York City. Um, I'm sure that there was some culture shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, um, to say the least. And 
when we actually moved um, to, when we left New Jersey and moved to Pennsylvania, we moved blind. We didn't have family, no friends, no support system. It was just like we're leaving and that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. um, how I ended up in Lebanon, Pennsylvania was our real estate agent. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, kind of navigated us um, because coming from out of state, you think of areas as um, Philadelphia, Hershey, you know, you think of um, the known places that people mm -hmm. talk about. But um, yeah, she redirected us um, to Lebanon and I fell in love with specifically the house, honestly, mm -hmm. and we made the way. So yeah, I think an extreme culture shock um, from just the daily routines from movement, I had to learn how to slow down. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just the this that the people the the just everything um it was a definitely a change in scenic just what we're used to we're used to fast get it move keep kind of go at it um movement um from the work pace um working environment shifted it was a definitely a a, a life-changing experience for both both myself and my husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so what do you think of this community? You know, uh, you clearly have a love for the relationships that you've made here and, and making those relationships between people. What, what appreciation have you, have you found for the people of this area? I absolutely love it here. Um, I feel that the, the community has, the community itself has taken like taken hold of myself and my family my kids don't know anything different my husband really he's he's from new york city from the bronx mm -hmm. um but he has literally adopted to the lifestyle we've had here mm -hmm. um the family oriented lifestyle um you know the focus on the focus on small t is so i feel in a bigger city we miss that because mm -hmm. we're always focused on everything bigger and mm -hmm. um you know it, it has been truly for us as a family has been a bond and a bond to everyone we've met here in the business community in our personal life mm -hmm. um yeah i think just the warmth and the and the ability just to pull people in i feel like lebanon once you're here kind of pulls you in it sucks you in it is yeah. and it's an area where you can be very active and i know you're active with your children's activities it's one of the things that, that you really love tell us a little bit about what that experience has been like getting involved in their lives so heavily it's been great. I mean, for my daughter, it, um, you know, she was doing cheerleading. She was doing gymnastics. You know, my son does basketball. He was doing karate. Then he was doing boxing. So everything that they've been doing, I was able to balance that in mind. What, what the difference is in New Jersey, in New York, I was traveling two hours just to get to work and mm -hmm. get home. Two hours to work, two hours home. So there was a huge miss time with my family and my and my children and um you know here it's it's easier to be able to balance that and and people look at me and they're, they're they always look at me like how do you do it like you're doing this you're doing that you're involved in this you're doing all that <laughs> i said because you. it's actually you, you know it's you can <laughs> yeah. you know i've been in places i've lived that it's probably more impossible <laughs> yeah. um but I'm heavily involved with with my children and I and my children is about have involved with what I do they come into the office and they help me out with from stuffing envelopes to cleaning your daughter had a side hustle for a while does she still make slime she does. She yeah. makes slime. I love uh, it. She's a little entrepreneur. Yeah. I love you were this. telling me about this, yeah. so now I'm putting the puzzle pieces together here. I love, I, first of yes. all, I live for a good side hustle. Yeah, you know, yeah. I do. I love it. And I feel like, I almost like wish that there was like a class for kids in school that's like, we're going to teach you X, Y, Z, but we're actually going to teach you what's going to be the joy and love of your life is going to yeah. be your side hustle. Your side in life. hustle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but I suspect your children are getting that by watching your example yeah. of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. They are. I mean, we moved here and um, I opened, I, I decided because I went in town and I'm like, okay, I don't see anything for women. Like, where's the women's clothing store? Like, what do mm -hmm. I get if I want to go, go out? And I opened a women's clothing store when I first landed here in mm -hmm. 2009 and just, just because. And, you know, so since then, between my husband and I, we've been back and forth, just business, different businesses or, you know, different ideas. So it, it, it's literally embedded in my children. Mm -hmm, so yes, yeah. we have now the slime business. She's also now converted into making bracelets and oh, nice. um, the the glass painting that I used to do. She's mm -hmm. now taking that over and um, doing that. So yeah, entrepreneurship is a big thing in our household. <laughs> I love and it, it sounds like you're not afraid of failure. 
And it's not even failure. We talk about this too, like where things are, you learn something from things that didn't quite work out the way you wanted it to. And so like to count it as a failure seems so disingenuous to the experience. Well, and and to be quite honest with you, I'm at the point in my life where I kind of wish I had more items of failure. I wish I could look back (laughs) and be like, oh, there was that piece that I really, but I haven't allowed myself to be brave enough to to fail. And so, you know, I think it's it's great. Um, my, My son is very entrepreneurial as well. And I have such an incredible appreciation for that. Like I can tell you, you have for, for your daughter and all that she's doing because that's what we want right we want our children to see that something needs to be done or see that there's something they want to do have the bravery mm-hmm. to do it and to not look back which yeah, is which right. is amazing which is fantastic so, so she I, ready to pay for college with her slime business or she she better because it's not <laughs> going to be handed to her um i i think you touch on something really important i feel that you're right you have to fall you have to you have to kind of fall flat in a way in many a trip over your own self in many ways before you you not only get to success but you appreciate it mm-hmm. um you know and, and the value of it like my motto is it's only when you stop trying that you truly fail mm-hmm. and that's my what that's what we live by i mean it's on my i actually had tattooed on my arm plus it's on my wall you know oh, it's, it's you know it's just yeah. it's just because i feel that having that 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 mindset i i didn't come from you know much really and you know i've been in the united states now 20 almost 20 years and everything that I could possibly hold on to everything that I could possibly do and push myself to work towards I'm doing it and I'm and 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 I'm and I don't let anything or anyone make me feel that I can't do it Mm -hmm. because I don't believe that that should be you should not give some, someone or anything that much power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just work at it. And and if you fail, fail, get back up and keep going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the journey's not done, yeah. right? That's the thing. It's just right. it's just that space on the journey. And, you know, who knows? I, I, I firmly believe that the destination we're going to get to, we haven't even dreamt of that yet. Yeah. We don't even know right. what it is, you know? And so yeah. keep working, keep doing, keep doing the things you're passionate about, um, you know? And clearly you're passionate about relationships and being an example for others and being such a light in our community, which is just... Yeah. Fantastic. So awesome. And and you're so willing to innovate even within, you know, not just to, to quote, make yourself money, but to, to innovate within your program. So mm-hmm. we didn't even touch mm-hmm. on the, the, the youth mentorship program that you started. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, I was wondering, you like how, innovating how young, awesome. yeah. how young of, of clients do you have who are, who are making partnerships mm-hmm. through Compere? We have a uh, middle school. So the Wonderful. youngest are middle school age. So that, mm-hmm. um, you know, 13 age, 14, um, you know, for, for the, the middle school. So we actually, for that program, we match a middle school student with a high school student mm-hmm. and provide that support because we decided with that program that we want to be kind of peer to peer aspect of, you know, they could understand more than an adult going in there and trying to be a friend to a, 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 a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that program, yeah, Shyla, that started <laughs> right after I started. Yeah, you were I like, launched that. We, we launched that program and it's been so great. The kids are so amazing. Um, we were doing a sessions at the school prior to COVID at the school once a week. Um, we had a fun day, we had a facilitated day and we modeled the school curriculum. So mm-hmm. we were actually reinstating what the school was you know, whether it was healthy relationships or, you know, um, how to deal with daily challenges, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. we were just reinforcing that in a different way um, that fits our program. Well, that repetition um, is so necessary. And to have it peer yes. to peer, yeah. you know, we, we have this um, at Palmyra, we do a big star, little star mentorship program, because yes. no matter how much, you know, we pride ourselves on having the staff be welcoming, but we know at the end of the day, there are moments they're going to be more comfortable with each other. Yeah. And we would never right. be so egotistic to not know that's important. And so I think that peer-to-peer setup that you have is so important, you know, yeah. because they're going to talk to them in really in a different way. But having the reinforcement of what the school is teaching in that curriculum is yeah. so incredibly valuable. You yeah, know, we all need to yeah. hear things many Absolutely. different times and in many different ways. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what comes to mind is middle school years are just like the, the worst, uh, terrible yeah. years. So, um, <laughs> you know, we know that from an anecdotal perspective, uh-huh. but was there some mm-hmm. kind of like, how did you arrive at having a mentorship program that was for middle schoolers was there some kind of like evidence-based theory that you used or was it just kind of like you know we know that from the middle school principals or whatever how, mm-hmm. how did you come to that 
Well, the actual program, um, it is evidence-based um, program. What as I don't know if you, either one of you know, like in, in our program is at Cedar Crest Middle and High School. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, um, there uh, there was a uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters program there prior. Okay. So that program was actually closed probably a year, about almost a almost I think a year before I um, went over to Compere. That program got closed. So from both of our experiences, Julie and I, we know that program did well in us. Mm-hmm. We know that the, the, the they urge for that program. The need is there for mm-hmm. the program to have that peer to peer. Um, you know, and statistically it has shown that that having that, um, you know, that friendship base, especially a peer to peer, it helps and it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, 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 the younger, um, kiddos they're they tend to open up more. They tend to share more, mm-hmm. um, with someone they could relate to versus an adult in the school. Yeah. Well, and it teaches awesome. them that those relationships are so needed as they're yeah. growing right. and as they're, as they're doing that. And that's mm-hmm. what we, you know, we are, I, I think if COVID has, has shown us so much, it's reiterated the fact that we need each other. Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. need each other. Yeah. And so, um, you know, having those relationships built at that age is so yeah. fantastic. So, yeah. Well, Kendra, this has been so amazing. You are such a light and I love it. I love it when I get to spend time with you in our little mom group, mom NPO director <laughs> mm-hmm. group. And uh, it. yeah, it's really good stuff. But um, we conclude all of our interviews with the same three questions. And so Jasmine represents the coffee beans of this relationship. So I'm going to let her uh, Absolutely. Ask her so Kendra, I'm excited to hear what is your favorite coffee? coffee drink my favorite coffee drink um can i be honest i am a straight black coffee person. <laughs> you can have 100 be you know absolutely that's why there's black coffee in the world because yeah. there are those of you who love it right yeah. do you yes. like do you like a bold brew do you like a lighter breakfast blend like what's your what's your coffee it's choice a bold brew bold like brew. i am yeah yeah, yeah. It's gotta have i love flavor. it yeah it's good stuff yeah so um the other question is uh on the other side of that what's your favorite adult beverage a Long Island. Yes. <laughs> Going back to your second home roots, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. That, that is my go-to. Now, do you make them at home or do you, or, like, is there a I place do. you like? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I do. I If I spin the camera around, there's a whole area over there that is very fixed for making drinks. Excellent. I love a good home bar. That's fantastic. I love it. I love I love it. it. And you have your own secret family recipe, yeah. I'm sure. So yeah. our third question, Kendra, is our favorite question of all because it just really mm-hmm. captures, uh, you know, why we're doing this podcast. And uh, so Jasmine, take it away. Uh, so Kendra, we're wondering, what is your passion? My passion is to help people. Like my, my, I love to help and that's my bottom line. It doesn't have to be anything work-related. It doesn't have to be anything someone that I know personally not. I just love to help. And I and I want to make a difference in the life of my not only my immediate community, but anyone that I meet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I just, I want to make people happy and, and I want to help. <laughs> well, thank you. I can tell you have more than made us happy today yeah. and helped us. Uh, t- truly being honest here, we were in crappy ass moods. <laughs> and so you, uh, you have, from the moment we saw your face and heard your voice, you have been just a total light. And thank you for being a light yes, in our community. Thank um, you. And I can't wait till, till all of this is done and I can see you in person. I think we're going to yeah. have a, a big old reception in the spring or, or whenever are. life is, is yeah. safe to, um, to have everybody get together and really celebrate the incredible women of our community. So thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla. And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink.